It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. Once again, welcome you to another Estate Planning Essentials program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the owner of KWM Radio and co-host of this program, which is always continuously seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. And one of those protectors is sitting next to me. He is my co-host. He is my attorney. He is my friend. He should be your attorney. And his name is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Fighting off that cold almost out of your system, I hope. Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, let's get right to it today. We want to talk about a Michael Cohen success story about Medicaid, which sounds like it's not completely resolved, but it's very promising. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of times there's different, you have to listen to the goals of the client. Uh, Medicaid it has a lot of different programs, and usually the ones that we see most commonly that we deal with are long-term care. It doesn't have to be in a nursing home. It could be care at home. A lot of people, in fact, it used to be that uh, a long time ago, 20-some-odd years ago, that uh, the government encouraged people to go to a nursing home for care. Uh, because they could dispense medication all at one spot. Things have changed. They said, well, we'll go to, we'll allow care at home if it's cheaper. And we'll have these Medicaid managed care agencies where we'll pay somebody to come to the home. Okay. So there's been this trend for more and more people wanting to be getting care at home. Um, especially during COVID, it was, there was wait list of, Oh, 25,000 people to try to get care at home. Um, So basically the state pays these Medicaid managed care agencies to, uh, that they kind of work out a deal with them to say, okay, you, we're going to give this X amount of money and you're going to, and we're going to have y'all come out to the place 35, 40 hours a week, the home. Uh, for care, plus medication. Of course, nursing homes have had accepted Medicaid for many years, uh, longer than I can remember. Uh, so that helps pay for care because Medicare doesn't has very limited coverage. Okay. And most people don't have long-term care insurance. So uh, a lot of times we have to make a decision as to whether the care should be at home or in a nursing home. Now, so Medicare, of course, is somewhat disease discriminatory. So usually if you have a dementia, uh, Medicare is not going to cover you, whereas if you have a heart attack, it will. Hmm. And, you know, we've seen like all these drugs. They're expensive for like to, for some sort of reduction in dementia. We think a lot of times that the government may not um, want these some of these things approved when we know that um, – 
people are in need because uh, maybe because the cost. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, it's tough when they don't recognize certain diseases. You know, Sarah is an eating disorder coach, uh-huh. and Medicaid doesn't cover any of that, and it really frustrates her because this is a serious disease. Yeah, and people don't recognize that, especially it seems like, and I, of course, I'm not an expert in that area for sure, but you know, you think about these young girls that are either bulimic or anorexic, and it could be very uh, dangerous, and um, uh, it's just not recognized yet, Mm -hmm. but as time goes by, I think that that will change. I think so. Uh, But, you know, I guess the proof will remain in the pudding when it's in the pudding. It's a cottage industry right now for her, but it's exploding, which is great news, and they're finding her all over the world. She's got clients in India, England, et cetera. But as I said to her and one of our clients here on the radio station, oh, Michael, five or six years ago, this client told us sitting at a dinner at a steakhouse downtown that she has an eating disorder. And I didn't know what to say other than I just looked at Sarah and I said, my goodness, honey, they're everywhere. And I didn't mean that in any negative way. And she said, yeah, I'm, I too am a victim of that. So it's, there's been a proliferation of this disease, and, but it's probably been around a long time and no one Yeah, nobody it. just really, right. you know, it's just like anything. Uh, some right. things we just are gradually over time recognizing. And social media is not helping, my friend. Really? Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, because they, they post these pictures of these thin women who apparently are attractive. And then people in Uganda and people in Iowa want to see those pictures and be like them. And they'll determine, well, the reason, the way I can do that is to just not eat them. And uh. now Meta used to be Facebook, is Uh going to be penalized and punished for doing things like that because I think they own Instagram too. So it's a long story, but it's it's out there. Well, that's unfortunate, and uh, there's a lot of people who are unfortunate for all sorts of different health reasons. Yeah, Um, We see a lot, especially as people get elderly, um, dementia, you know, some Mm -hmm. whether it's uh, Alzheimer's or frontal temporal dementia Mm -hmm. uh, or... You know, Parkinson's is a form. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of different types of dementia. And as, you know, when we think about it, people used to die younger. Right. They may have died of a heart attack or, I mean, I know that some people die of cancers, but uh, depending on the cancer, uh, uh, but people are living longer. I always mm-hmm. tell stories about my wife's grandmother who lived to be 107 and a half. Uh, so people are living longer, but the longer you live, you know, there's more likelihood that something bad will happen to you, uh, maybe a dementia. So my dad died when, uh, before they had, when I was young, before they had bypass surgery, hmm. and now that's such an automatic. Right. And, and so you don't think about it. So if he would have had that, he may have lived another 20 years or whatever. Sure. Uh, but if he did... Maybe he would have had dementia. (laughs) That's what you talked about the last program, about the quality of life. And if you uh, get Alzheimer's or pre-dementia, whatever the determination is, is that living a qualitative life? And where do you draw the line? Yeah, I don't know. And that's just like anything. Sometimes it's hard. But still, most people don't have insurance if you do live long enough. Mm-hmm. Usually when I have like workshops and things like that, I ask people, how many of y'all have long-term care insurance? Smart. Generally less than 10%. Yeah, it's what you've implied about five minutes ago you said that. And I was thinking in my head, what is that percentage? And is yeah. it typically 10% nationwide? Well, what I see. I mean, yeah, yeah, oh, it's wow. very few. And, and so I had somebody in um, 
this past Friday, and I said, well, and they were in their 60s, uh, I think. Well, maybe, the yeah, their 60s. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about various options, and one of the options I talked to them was about getting long-term care insurance. I don't sell the policy. Right. We talked about various forms of insurance on long-term care insurance, hybrids. There's things where you use life insurance or annuities right. uh, that could be in combination. So um, I don't sell the product, but I'll let people know about it. Mm-hmm. It's good. And I might refer it to somebody if right. they want that. But And other people are, are, are either uh, cannot pass underwriting or just can't financially afford it. Right. They often look to how do I get eligibility for Medicaid mm-hmm. because Medicare doesn't cover. So then we say, well, how do I qualify? Because usually it's means-tested. They look at the amount of assets you have, the amount of income you have, if you made any gifts or uncompensated transfers. On the Medicaid program at home, the the one that I was referring to earlier, which is called Star Plus Medicaid, Mm -hmm. um, generally you have to be bad enough to be in a nursing home, but you're at home. And the Mm -hmm. state pays somebody to come to the house. We talked about on a show probably in, oh, I don't know, in April, um, it's been a while back, about property taxes, about one of the pro- one of the bills was to increase the rates of the caregivers because they weren't paid very much. Right. And that was a problem with the program at home is the hourly rate, which started like at $8.11 an hour. And uh, obviously... A lot of people can make more than that doing other things. So it's a problem to keep people working for the state based on that hour rate. And so that's why they were having these bills to increase the rates considerably. Well, anyway, in this case, the client had um, a few goals. They said, we don't have insurance. We don't have long-term care insurance. Um, Their dad, husband... Um, needed long-term care. He preferred to stay at home. And their income combined was roughly about, between Social Security or pension, was roughly uh, over 4000 a month. And they had a rental property that was worth, let's say, two or $300,000. All right. Now, there are a few rules that you have to realize. And the rules of each one of these Medicaid programs is different. And so you have to see what fits and what can you do. Mm-hmm. So the scenario I'm just about to present, I've never had before. Okay. But we think that there is a solution. All right. Uh, in this case, um, there had not been any what we call uncompensated transfers in the last five years. The reason why that's important um, under the Star Plus Medicaid program, the program at, uh, where they somebody the state pays somebody to come to your home, plus take care of uh, medication, if you make any transfer at all for less than fair market value, within five years, there's five years of ineligibility. Now, that's different than the nursing home Medicaid program, where they look at the average cost of the nursing home and divide that into the amount of the gift or uncompensated transfer. And that's also different, by the way, from another Medicaid program at home where you get, let's say, 10, 15, 20 hours a week where there's no look-back period at all. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, so you got to, so it gets kind of complicated. Remember last week's show, we were talking about veterans' benefits, and there was a three-year look-back period, and but there are certain exceptions to those rules. 
And so you so this is why it's important to know there's all these different rules and there's you know most people wouldn't know about the different rules right. but uh, so that's why if you have an issue like on a Medicaid, you should go to an elder law attorney. Well, anyway, in this case, um, those were the facts. And they didn't want to sell that rental property that was generating whatever amount of income each month. And um, uh, and uh, they would prefer that husband slash dad stay at home. Well... Okay, mom could not take care of dad anymore. She was elderly herself and not in the best of health. But we have to have some help, and there is no long-term care insurance. All right, now what happens if um, dad went into a nursing home? Well, normally there's a maximum protected resource amount. What they do is you look at your total countable resources— and divide it by two. So let's say you had um, $300,000 of assets that count. Well, or three fifty. Let's say three. Let's say three fifty, because this makes it a little bit more um, definitive. Uh, the most you could keep is really one hundred forty-eight thousand and change. And if I had three fifty, if your income is over this limit, and the, there's a formula in where you could keep more than the limit, more than the maximum. The nursing home, that income limit of what's called non-countable resource income, is a little over $3,700 a month, typically Social Security, or a pension, or in some annuities that are annuitized, or if somebody works. In this case, neither worked, and they just, let's say, had income exclusive of the rental property of about 4000 Well, rental property income, by the way, doesn't count as far as the income formula because they look at only non-countable resource income. Okay. The rental property would count. So if I had 350 and the maximum was 148, Divide by two, well, that's 175. I'd have to get below 148, the maximum, because their income was too low, too great to get below the limit. So they couldn't keep the assets as is. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, okay, so if, if that's the case, how would I get eligibility if somebody went into a nursing home? I'd have to place the property up for sale. What was their goal? It was not to place the property up for sale. Their goal was to keep assets as is. All right. And if you did go to a nursing home, um, you'd have to place the property up for sale, sell it. There is a way of getting eligibility, by the way. If they did sell the property, we could have either bought things that do not count, like a pre-need funeral. Um, you could have a certain type of annuity. Uh, there's a Medicaid-compliant annuity. Kind of tell you real quickly since we uh, mentioned it, a single premium immediate annuity for a term certain less than the life expectancy of the annuitant, 
payable level installments of principal and interest, non-transferable, non-assignable with the state of Texas after spouse as a beneficiary to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. Did you memorize that? No. Because you didn't read that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I just, I, I you know usually, it. usually I say it really fast. Okay. But given my voice today with the cold, okay. I decided to slow it down. Okay. I know that everybody has memorized that just like I have, uh, but don't worry about it. There is a way. So there's a certain type of annuity that if you sold the home, you buy the annuity, the spouse, that the well spouse could keep all of her income in this case, and the ill spouse, if they were in a nursing home, would give up his income as his copay. Okay. But that wasn't their goal. Hmm. Their goal was to stay at home and for the government to help pay for care and not sell the rental property. So what can you do? Well... First of all, one other rule that you should realize that there is no transfer penalty between spouses. So if I transfer one asset to a, another spouse because they look at the assets of both the husband and the wife. Now, husband lacks capacity, so how would he make a transfer to his wife? Let's say on the rental property, they own the property together. Well, it depends on the power of attorney. This is, gets back to one of the questions you had on a show a few weeks ago about, you know, you talked about the legal Zooms and stuff like that. Well, you have to have provisions in the – there's extra powers that you could have in the power of attorney. One of the powers is the right to make transfers and gifts. In fact, even more than the annual exclusion, which is presently $17,000 a year. You could even say I can make transfers to get eligible for Medicaid. Okay. Well, the power of attorney they had had that provision. Interesting. Now, you would have to record the financial power of attorney in the county where the property is located if you're relying on that power of attorney to do a deed. So if, in this case, the power of attorney had been recorded and we're going to do a deed, we're going to do a deed, a partition agreement, transferring dad's interest in the home, the rental property, to mom. Remember, I just told you that even though there's all these transfer penalty rules, this is an exception to the rules. Why? Because they look at the assets of both the husband and the wife. So you partition the property. Uh, when you partition a property, you have to have both the husband and the wife sign, sure. or in this case, the agent and the power of attorney for dad transferring the property to mom. Also, you would assign it's that property is being leased. So you would also transfer the interest from on the lease from dad to mom. There's no transfer penalty. All right. Now why would I do that? Because first of all, if if dad's income is over the cap, all of his income, uh, which would include half of the rental property income. There is a Medicaid income cap uh, under the STAR Plus, as well as the Nursing Home Medicaid program, uh, which is a little bit, which would put him over the limit, that rental property, because the limit is $2,742 a month. Well, the, between his Social Security and the rental property income, that, that would put him over the cap. 
Now, I told you earlier, and I know this is confusing, because they have different ways of looking at income. One is on that formula to keep more assets, where they do not look at the rental property income, whereas on the income cap, they do look at the... Okay. I know this is kind of <laughs> yeah. in the weeds. I apologize. Yeah. I don't make the rules. I'm just telling you what the you messenger. have to look at. That's right. So to avoid having to do a qualified income trust, QIT, Miller Trust, all the same thing, we transfer that rental property uh, income to and the property to the wife. Now his income is below the cap, so I don't have to do the Miller Trust or Qualified Income Trust. Now, what I didn't tell you is that the rules for Medicaid at home for that star plus Medicaid, the formula is different. And we're going to get to that in one second, but I want to promote your next workshop because this is good timing for that. Uh, KAAM is the station I have owned here for 15 years, and I'm very grateful to God to have this station that he lent me. Uh, it ends in M, K-A-A-M. M stands for lots of things, Mediator Messiah. also stands for Michael. And it also stands for Michael, the Medicaid, Medicare messenger. Lots of M's there. And he is just the messenger, but he's a great messenger because he really does understand this, even though we don't. This is why he explains it in detail during this program so you can have a better feel for his knowledge and expertise and try to better understand exactly how these very complicated programs work. However... If you want to ask more questions, you should attend his next workshop because that can give you more insight and knowledge as to what's best for you and your family. That workshop is Saturday, June the 3rd at 10 o'clock. And Michael, tell them exactly what's going to happen at those workshops. Well, we ask people what they want to know, and we, you know, try to answer those questions. Now, normally I don't get as detailed in the weeds as we're getting in on this thing, and I apologize for the details. Oh, that's but good. I, I think the idea of what we've just been talking about is there's a lot that goes into it, and most people don't realize that you have to be sometimes be creative and to try to come up with the to reach the goals of the client. But in any event, we ask people what they want to know. What is it that you want to know? And it's never you know. It could be how do I pay for care at home under this scenario. Um, it could be on how do I pay for care in a nursing home. How right. do I? How do I? Uh, what are wills or trust or what kind of things can we plan for? Whether it's dealing with public benefits or a child who has a marital issue, or if you're concerned your spouse might remarry, or you're concerned that somebody's a spendthrift or a drug act addict, or you want to take care of a a grandchild in a certain way, you know, or is there charitable planning? Mm -hmm. uh, there's all sorts of different things that people ask about. We never know what they're going to ask about. Of course, it could be tax issues. Um, so we ask people what they want to know. And in those two hours, we answer those questions that they may ask. That's what makes each workshop each workshop different mm -hmm. is because you never know what the questions are going to, do, going to be. We've been doing these since 2012, and there's been not one workshop that has been identical to the one from before sure. or throughout the years because you never know what questions people are going to ask, and laws change. You know, we talked about uh, earlier this year about the SECURE Act and the various things for retirement. Uh, it could be any number of things. And so we ask people what they want to know, uh, and then we uh, answer those questions in the two hours. We also planning and Medicaid as well. 
But we ask people, most of the time, we just answer your questions. And if you do go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, we also give you a free one-hour vision meeting. So it's three free hours of legal education without cost and without obligation. It's just you learn. And I hope that you're going to learn something. I know that everybody learns. We always ask at the beginning of each workshop that you're going to learn something. You'll see that the two hours will fly by and that you're going to have fun along the way. And I think that that's the case. To attend, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up at Dallas Elder Lawyer. Com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. You also get a free KWM coffee mug. Who could ask for anything more? Yep, you've got to plug that, and I appreciate that. You're very nice and a little bit hyperbolic when it comes to the KWM coffee mugs, but they are free and they are functional and convenient. A uh, couple minutes left on Medicaid, Michael. Okay, so uh, where we left off was that the we had transferred a – Home, rental property to the wife mm-hmm. and transferred the lease income. Uh, this avoided the husband from doing a qualified income cap, a, a trust rather, because his income exceeded the cap with the rental property income. Uh, and there was no transfer penalty between spouses under the Medicaid rules. But the most important thing was that the rule for calculation of assets uh, is different. The amount of income, the, the, when they look at the husband-wife's income, the limit is closer to $5,300, not the $3,700 we talked about for nursing home. Well, if their combined incomes were a little over 4000 I do not have to place the property up for sale. Mm. It's based on how much, what's the spread between the 5300 and their income, how much income do I need at today's one-year CD rates, at wherever you bank, to make up that, let's say, $1,000 difference, and it's going to be a lot more than 350000 So as a result, the wife's going to keep all the income, her income at least, and actually husband's going to keep his income also because they only look at his income if his income is below the cap. They're keeping all the income, they're keeping the rental property, and the government's going to pay somebody to come to the house 35 to 40 hours a week plus medication. So we listen to the goals of the client and see what can we do. Just like It's just like estate planning. You have to go by the rules, whether it be tax laws or whether it be on income tax or state tax or gift tax. You look at the rules whether it be the Internal Revenue Code or, in this case, the Medicaid Eligibility Handbook, we go within the rules. We show the state, in this case, exactly what we've done. We've gone by the rules and what we could do, why pursuant to the rules. This is no different. You wanted to save their assets for themselves and for their family and have assistance because they could not get long-term care insurance or they could not afford long-term insurance. So they had governmental assistance in their situation by using the rules to their advantage. This program and many programs prior to have reinforced the fact that there is no way an online website, like I mentioned before, trustandwill.com or other ones, uh, can do what Michael does and what he just explained 
There's no way. It's, it's too difficult and complicated. It's a big puzzle. And Michael brilliantly puts it together for you to make sure it's set up for you now the way you want it. And then things don't come back to haunt you later, which is the worst thing. Warranties, guarantees, these kinds of things. That's what Michael does. Future prevention. Sign up for his next workshop to get that prevention or at least questions answered that Michael will diligently apply himself to. So you walk out of there more fulfilled and more knowledgeable about your circumstances. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com for podcast, for signing up for the workshop, to read his newsletter. It's a wonderful website. And thank you for listening to this program today. And Michael Cohen, thank you for your time today, sir. Thank you, Don. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.